Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along. I have a question for you. Have you, ever had, have you ever had someone ask you, okay, even if there is a God, what makes the Christian God the right God? I get asked this question quite a bit. I was asked this question yesterday at the University of Cincinnati. Didn't have a great turnout, but we had some interesting conversations. One young man came to Christ, evidently. So we're excited about the way uh, every day you sow the seed. If you sow the seed, my friends, you never know what can happen. You never know. And so we faithfully serve God, get the word out, and see what happens. Amen? So anyway, this question, even if there is a God, how do you know the right one? Now, the guy's asking me didn't believe in God. And yet the reality is the arguments for the existence of God are so strong, they kind of defaulted to, okay, so even if there is a God, how do you know which one is the right one? And of course, I would argue, uh, I give you the argument I had with them. Number one, first of all, I want to point out that they arrived at a very important conclusion, and that is the various religions can't all be right because they contradict one another. And so implied in this question is an important step for people to take. A lot of people think that religion isn't really true, and so because it's not really true, all you have to do is have faith, and you can believe whatever you want to believe. I hear people say all the time things like, my faith gets me through this, or he came to faith, or all you need to have is faith. I would argue differently. I would argue that faith is of no value if it's not in that which is true. If you have faith in a false God, faith in a false idea, your faith will not work. That's basically humanism, is to say that the answer is faith. No, the answer is the true living God. That's who we need. And we come to him on the basis of faith. But again, our faith must be in the one true God. To believe that there's a true God would imply there's false gods. Indeed, the second, the first and second of the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, everything in the heaven above or the earth below, etc. Why? Because we are to have the one true God and no idols, no false gods. Now, again, in our postmodern world, where the highest authority is myself, and I can believe whatever I want to believe, we think that it's fine if you want to be a Muslim, it's fine if you want to be a Jew, fine if you want to be a Christian, fine if you want to be a Hindu, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality is they contradict one another. An obvious one is what we had called the three monotheistic religions. Christianity is the, is the outgrowth and completion of Judaism. But Islam is a different understanding of God. In Islam, there is a denial of the triune God. There is a denial of what we call the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And in Islam, if you were to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you have committed a sin called shirk. And shirk is an unpardonable sin because it's declaring that Jesus is the partner or the equal to God. And they, are, and they would call that polytheism, a very different understanding of God. They can't be right. Either Jesus is the Son of God or he's not. Either he's more than a prophet or he's not. If one religion says 
you must believe in Jesus to go to heaven. And one religion says, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you can't go to heaven. They can't both be right. So that's an important step that they acknowledge that if there's a God, you've got to have the right one. Number two, though, I said, let's assume that the various writers of the various holy, let's assume the writers of the various holy books were sincerely trying to communicate with us. This is an important step to help a person who's asking this question. If they're, if they're assuming that the writers are intentionally evil, deceitful, wicked people trying to trick us, then you can't move forward and discover what the truth is because our authority is the Bible. And if the, if the writers of the Bible are deceitful and wicked people, they can't be trusted. But I, I always ask, and I almost always have people who will say, okay, I can give you that, that the writers of all the various books, they were, I'm not saying they were right, but they thought they were right. They were sincere. They were trying to, trying to communicate what they sincerely believed or knew or heard. It's an important step, and I find most people give that to me. It's important that they see the Bible because there's a lot of people out there that think the writers of the Bible weren't sincere. And so you got to clear that up. That can't be a hanging doubt in the back of their mind. And most of them will give you give that to you if you put it that way. And then thirdly, the next, this is important. Judaism and Christianity are the only two religions God validates with miraculous signs and wonders. This is an important thing to understand. Moses, miraculous signs. As he, as he went to Pharaoh, now, the Egyptian magicians were able to duplicate some of them by their magic arts, but they couldn't duplicate all of them. And there came a point where God showed he was more powerful, that he was the living God, and these others were deceptive gods. I'm not saying those uh, uh, religious leaders of Egypt didn't believe what they were saying, but they were deceived by the evil one, the evil spirit, the devil. In Christianity, from the, the early days of Judaism— right up into, right, you know, with Jesus, the apostles, all the scriptures are validated by God showing his, uh, his, giving them the credibility of performing miraculous signs that could only be done in the power of God. Only be done in the power of God. Elijah on the, with the prophets of Baal, he showed the power and might of God. David showed the power of God with Goliath. Various writers of Scripture, you can go throughout the Old Testament, but especially the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, John the Baptist was beginning to doubt, evidently. He'd been arrested. He was thrown in jail. We don't know all of what was going on in his mind, but it was a difficult time. He was suffering. And he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the Christ, or should we be looking for somebody else? And Jesus, at that point, he performed many miracles, and he told them, go tell John what you've seen with your own eyes. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lepers are cleansed, the poor have the gospel preached to them, blessed is the one who does not stumble over me. He was appealing to miraculous signs that he could say. He didn't tell John, how dare you doubt, but he appealed, he, he demonstrated that he was the Messiah. He demonstrated he was from God by doing things that you can't do without God. You can't heal blind people without the power of God. You can't cleanse a leper 
without the power of God. You can't give hearing to the deaf without the power of God. And so Jesus did things. Now, it might surprise you to understand this and hear this. It surprised me years ago when I first started to study that Muhammad performed no miracles. If you say to a Muslim, what miraculous sign do we have that Islam is true? They'll say we have the Quran. The book itself was a miracle. They would claim that Muhammad uh, was illiterate, but they forget to say Muhammad didn't write the right. He recited it. He spoke it. Other people wrote it down. The existence of the book of the that is their claim of a miracle. Is that good enough for you? Is having a book evidence that God performed a miracle? Hey, folks, I've written a couple books. And I kind of joke sometimes in my case, it was a miracle, but there's plenty of people who write books without the miraculous power of God. No one heals the sick, the lame, the deaf, the blind, the dumb without the power of God. Some Muslims will say Muhammad split the moon in half. Yesterday, Roz and I, or the other night, we were out for a walk in the beautiful half moon out there. And I was thinking, wow, do these people really believe that when they look up and saw that, Muhammad split the moon in half? I mean, come on. Is that the miracle you have? Number one, that's not how it works. Modern astronomy, we know a whole lot better than that, why the moon split in half is the shadow of the earth and so on. But secondly, it's important to realize that the miracles Jesus did, all of them demonstrated the power of God, but they also benefited someone. He didn't just show off his power. His miracles helped people. His miracles fed the hungry. His miracles calmed the storm when people thought they were going to drown. His miracles healed the, 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 the helpless, the sick, the, and so forth. Jesus Christ used his power not just to show off. He used his power demonstrating not only the power of God in his life, but demonstrating the love and compassion of God. Now, the greatest miracle, of course, is what? The resurrection when you ask again the question, what makes the Christian religion the right one, the Christian God the right one, we say that Jesus did things that only God could do, that could not be done without the power of God. The greatest thing he did was not calm the storm, feed the thousands, or, or heal the sick. It was rise from the dead. We're all going to die someday. It's going to get all of us. It is our enemy and Jesus is the one who has conquered death, taken away the sting of death through his resurrection from the dead. In Romans 1, 4, it says, Jesus was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Not Muhammad. He, still, he died, and that was it. He was buried. Not Buddha. He died and was cremated. These others, they, they never came back from the dead. The ultimate sign that, that Christianity is the right God, the right religion, demonstrating the power of God, the resurrection of Jesus. When Paul was in Athens in Acts chapter 17, he was talking to people who didn't know the God they were worshiping. They, were, they had an altar to an unknown God. And there he writes, Paul, Paul was preaching, and he says that God has overlooked the times of our ignorance, but he's now declaring to all people everywhere they must repent. Why? Because he's fixed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness through a man who he's appointed. You're ready here? Listen carefully having furnished proof to all men by raising Jesus from the dead. That's the proof. That's the evidence. Why do you believe the Christian God? Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? 
God has given us the proof through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we believe. I want to quickly share, though, there's another thing. And that, that what I've shared so far is objective, logical, reasonable evidence. But there's also subjective evidence, and people often want this. And subjective evidence talks about my personal experience versus some, objective is something outside myself, subjective is something personal. If you're really wondering which religion, which God is the right one, I would encourage you, take the time to go talk to some people of various religions. Go to a college campus and you'll find atheists, you'll find Hindus, you'll find Muslims, you'll find Jews, you'll find Christians, you'll find people of all religions. Ask them a few questions. Ask, do you have a personal relationship with God? And just see how they answer. Talk to 10 people of each of these religions. Record your answers. How many of these other religions would say that they do? Because your Christians will say, I do. How confident you will go to heaven when you die? The other religions, if they're honest, they won't say they are. Christians, if they understand the gospel, will say they're confident they're going to heaven when they die. Does God answer your prayers? Again, this kind of relates to the personal relationship side. But it's an important question. If you want to know which God is real, the proof's in the pudding. And I would encourage you, talk to some people of other religions and see what they say. And talk to people who are sincere Christians, see what they say. And you'll find not only the objective evidence of the resurrection and the miracles, you'll find the subjective evidence of a relationship with God. Okay? Father in heaven, we thank you. You are the one true living God. And you say we should have no other gods before you. We're not to worship idols. We're not to worship false gods. We're not to follow false teachers or false prophets. And I pray, Father, in a day where truth, when it comes to religion, has largely been lost, help us reclaim it, Father. Help us know that we that Jesus, you, you revealed to us grace and truth. Help us to know that our faith is not what saves us. Jesus is what saves us. And you are true. You're, you're, you're who you are. And I pray, Father, for those who sincerely want to know God and realize they're not, they can't all be true. I pray they'd find the one true God. Help us, Father, to know how to give a good answer and a good evidence, the good evidence of the signs and wonders you've done and the subjective evidence that we know you in ways that others' religions really don't. We thank you and we bless you. We give you this day in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, we've had a lot of new people coming on the channel lately, and so I do want to give you a welcome, If you're one, especially if you're one of the students who's heard me on campus in the last few weeks. I hope you come here regularly. We're in a series right now where we're answering questions that I get asked on the campus. And so if you have some questions that you'd like me to address here, uh, put them in the discussion or, or drop me an email, tom at tomthepreacher.com. And I'll uh, address your questions. Uh, they're important, and I'd like to be able to do so. We'll move on to some other Bible teaching here soon. But I encourage you to come and be part of this every day because we need to get in the Word. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we need to get the Word of God strongly in our lives so we grow and become all that God wants us to be. I've been on the campus quite a bit lately. Today, I was going to be at Columbus State. I won't be there. I've got a lot of admin stuff with our Faith Walkers Conference. If you've not registered, go to faithwalkersconferences.com, sign up, come to our conference uh, after Christmas. But I've got a lot of work to do there and with some other things to get caught up on. So God bless you. 
You have a great day. So glad you're here, and I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye-bye.